Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. And we are back to continue our exploration of Santa Barbara, California. So when last we were together, we talked about five very popular things that there are to do in the city of Santa Barbara. Today's episode, we're going to share a half dozen different things that we call off the beaten path. So these are slightly less popular attractions than the things we spoke of last time, but they're still things that people do and we throw them out there. So if you have more time in Santa Barbara or if you've been there before and if you're looking for something different to do and if you haven't done one of the things we're going to speak about and I bet you even if you've been to Santa Barbara there's at least one or two things that you probably have not done will give you some new ideas. So um, that's what today's episode is all about. All right. So we have, as we said before, been to Santa Barbara many, many times and as I'm looking at the list, there's actually one thing that I haven't done. So we will embark on maybe a new adventure next time we go to Santa oh. Barbara. I think I know which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's something then that I have done that maybe was pre-Julie. Pre, that was a long time ago. Let's start with the first thing on our list, which is probably one of the, for some people, most unusual things on here. Again, we recently went to Santa Barbara. And one of the first things on my list, for some reason I was inspired to go to this place, and that's the Santa Barbara Cemetery. Well, there was a reason. There There was. Yeah, a good reason for me. This happened to be not too far away from where we were staying. So again, we were staying at the Sunrise RV Park, which we mentioned last time. So a short drive away from that, fairly close to where the Santa Barbara Zoo is, in a one of the most beautiful locations I've ever seen for a cemetery. But mm-hmm. my main reason for going there was to visit the burial site of Virginia Cheryl, who I've spoken about on this podcast over the couple of years we've been doing this several times. A famous Hollywood actress mm-hmm. in the silent movie era with Charlie Chaplin starred in the film City Lights. She was married to Lord Jersey in Britain and was known as Lady Jersey. And she would spend her final, not only years, decades living in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. She actually had a connection to my family, which is one of the reasons that Mm -hmm. I was interested to go there. Because on the several trips we've made to Santa Barbara, we've never visited the burial site. And um, I thought it was time to do so. And her burial site is in the mausoleum. Yeah. So early on a Saturday morning, we hopped into the car and made this our first thing to do and made our way to the cemetery, found a place to park by the mausoleum. I think I looked before we got there to find out where her burial site was at, knew it was at the mausoleum. So that was going to be the first place that we walked to at the cemetery. So then we started looking, there was these outside crypts that were open to the outdoors 
And we weren't sure exactly where she was. I knew she was inside. Yeah, but you had an idea. And we went up um, to first look at these outside crypts because you weren't sure what the mausoleum was. So we started walking around those crypts that were exposed to the outside. And there was some confusion. You were trying to figure this out. And then we looked at the building next to that which looked quite grand and thought maybe she's in there. Then I think you had the epiphany of, yeah, this is it because she was inside. Mm -hmm. And the doors were locked. Yes, that's what happened. I tried to open the door and it did not budge. Yes. So disappointment number one. And then we ended up, I think, going around the front and bumped into a gentleman in a car who I think was a security person. Security, yeah. And asked him about getting inside. Yes. To which we learned that during the COVID era, yes. there was no entry. You can't visit dead people. No. Unless they're outside. <laughs> so my mission of visiting the cemetery was dashed. So it turns out that for me, visiting the burial site of Virginia Cheryl will have to wait for a future trip to Santa Barbara. But lo and behold... You, being the amazing organizer that you are, had uh, some other grave sites kind of spotted out and you you knew kind of where they were. And these were also famous people. Yeah, so all was not lost. So most of the burial sites, turns out, were on the grounds, the outside grounds of the cemetery. So we took ourselves a stroll through the grounds of the cemetery and... I had done, as as you mentioned, some homework beforehand. So there's a, if people are not familiar with this, there's a useful website out there called Find a Grave that lists an enormous amount of cemeteries. And one of the things you can find out on it is if any notable famous people are buried at a cemetery that you're planning to visit. So knowing that we were going to be here, I thought, hey, it might be interesting to look up other notable folks while we're up here. But the first thing that struck me is we're walking around the grounds of the cemetery and I mean, it's lush, it's green and the view of the ocean. Yeah. Now the residents who are at the cemetery can't appreciate the view, but we were able to appreciate the view. Just a a beautiful setting and, and a wonderful place just for visiting a cemetery. The grounds were spectacular. So among the folks that we were aware of who are buried at the Santa Barbara Cemetery include Fess Parker, who was who, Julie? Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Is buried at Santa Barbara. Susie Parker is buried there. We visited the, the gravestone of Alan Thicke, so an actor of recent days that people yeah, may be familiar with. Family ties or... No, it turns out that Alan Thicke was on this show, Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Yes. Okay. And now I'm not remembering, but I think he had died. I think it was like a hockey-related accident, was it not? Yes. That we read about. Yeah. Canadian, buried in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And um, Sam Battistone was another gentleman who owned a, a chain of restaurants that we were familiar with growing up. There was a chain of restaurants that were kind of abundant when we were growing up called Sambo's after Sam Battistone, the owner. But today you don't find, I don't know that there's many, if any, restaurants bearing that name anymore. 
No, it had a very familiar sign signage. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't miss it. I mean, those are just a handful of the famous folk who are buried here. There's many, many more, and we visited a few more. One of the things, though, that also ended up being helpful, because I had a list of probably close to a dozen folk who we were going to try to find their, their grave sites. And when you're on the grounds of a large cemetery, it's a little difficult to know, okay, exactly where is the tombstone or where is the grave site. And on Find a Grave, there was many of these where it actually had the GPS coordinates. So Mm -hmm. I was able to dial up the website on my phone, punch the GPS coordinate, and then just follow the blue dot until we found the the grave site. And you know you did this without telling me a word about it. So Um, even getting to the cemetery, I was like, where are we going? Oh, it was kind of like a surprise? Yes. I don't know why I did that. You do those things. Okay. It's very cute. Was it okay? Yes. I thought you like cemeteries. I do. You might like them more than I. I don't know. <laughs> I do like them. Yeah. So it was a nice way to spend the morning. Again, the grounds here are stunning. It was a peaceful visit, a very serene environment. My tip would be that if you're going to visit here, again, you know, something different that does not show up on everybody's thing to do but if you want to visit and visit some of the burial sites of some famous folks go to the find a grave website figure out who it is you want to visit and uh, see if the gps coordinates are available and that'll make your hunting for the burial site somewhat easier Mm -hmm. so that's number one on today's list number two if you are a hiker i would put this hike rated highly on your list. We initially were going to try to hike the Seven Falls Trail and we started driving towards the area and as we got closer, we noticed parking was insane. There was just, there was no parking. You were just parking on the side of the two-lane narrow road. Yeah, this was up in the hills, kind of residential Mm -hmm. area, pretty narrow road. Yeah, so I mean, we got all the way up to the trailhead and had to turn around, and there is a turnaround there, to try to find parking on the other side of the road. And we were in our truck, so that was a little difficult. But we did find something. We just kind of, there it is, park it. And it was about a 20-minute walk up the road just to get to the trailhead, but that's yeah. okay. So it was a hike to get to the hike. Yeah, yeah. But that was all right. So we set ourselves up, and we had water, and we had proper shoes, and... So we got to the trailhead and at first we were a little bit disappointed because the trailhead started with asphalt and we started to wonder how long were we going to be walking on asphalt. Because it went quite a a bit of a ways. Yeah, it did. It did. And that wasn't something that I was really interested in walking an asphalt trail. Usually they just kind of stop and you you end up with a dirt trail. But and that's what happened. We got to the proper trail and there was a lot of people on this trail it was a sunday and we were kind of surprised at how many people were up there so it is one of the more popular hikes up in that area and we eventually got to a creek area and that creek area is kind of the turnoff to get to the seven falls area the seven falls which is actually a waterfall mm-hmm. And it's not marked. Yeah. And we didn't know that that was the area that you were supposed to turn up the creek. Yeah. So if one knows where they're going, you would turn right at the creek, a hard right. Right at the creek. Yeah. I mean, you're literally going up the creek. Yeah. But we just ended up following what seemed to be 
the trail, mm-hmm. which led somewhere else. But ended up in a very beautiful spot called Inspiration Point. We didn't know what we were going to see. I assumed it was going to be something looking out over the ocean by the name of it. It was a very pleasant hike. I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too hot for us. And even though there was, you know, several people on the trail, everybody was courteous and everybody would move out of the way if you're passing one another or if somebody is coming behind you and they wanted to get in front of you. So everybody was super courteous and it was really pleasant. Yeah, because I, really I think everybody time. was still cognizant of the whole COVID thing. So yeah. you're trying to keep distance. And this was probably one of the most... Uh, no, I take that back. It was the most crowded hike we've done in the whole COVID era. Yeah. And we've done sure. many, including in the national parks. This one turned out to be the busiest. Yeah. And I remember we did have to ask at one point, the trail kind of split and one trail, a smaller trail went off into a more bushy area. And then there was still that main gravel road. And we had asked somebody, you know, we... We want to get to this place. And it was two women. I remember very distinctly. They were very nice. They said, oh, take this side route here. And that'll take you right to Inspiration Point. And that is also not marked. So if you kind of are questioning, you know, which way to go, there is a lot of locals there that know exactly how to get from point A to point B. So you can ask. Yeah. And for some people who use devices like all trails on their phone, that's another way while you're hiking to probably help you stay on track as well. We didn't use that for this particular hike. So we relied on people. Yeah, which it worked out beautifully. So we got to the end of the trail and we got to Inspiration Point. Were you inspired? I was, it was beautiful. You could see the whole expanse of the ocean. You could see the islands, some of the islands. Mm -hmm. It was gorgeous. The only thing that bothered you more than me was there was millions upon millions of gnats up there. Yeah, I think millions would be about the accurate (laughs) description. Yeah, it was a lot. It was so much that if you opened your mouth, you'd probably have lunch of gnats. Well, yeah, I don't think there was that much protein. I don't think they were all going in your mouth, but it was okay. It was... The views were stunning. I mean, you could see down below the whole Santa Barbara area, uh, just beautiful. So we we spent a bit of time just admiring the view once Mm -hmm. we got up there. Yeah, so we spent close to three hours hiking to that point, to Inspiration Point, and then we turned around and came back. We did take a little side route that was the wrong way, had to turn around, but that was only a few minutes. So it was about three hours. It was very enjoyable. I would rate it as a moderate hike. Mm-hmm. I agree. So if you have any difficulty at all, you know, you might want to consider this has some areas where it can be a little bit rocky. You're crossing a, a dry riverbed or a creek bed. That gets rocky. It's not terrible, but it's a little bit uphill. I saw some people struggling, so I, I would call it moderate. And we would also recommend uh, trekking poles. We always bring our trekking poles and that helps always, especially when you are walking on rocks because it gives you some balance. And we had uh, packed a small lunch. So we came back and started walking down the back on the trail and we stopped. We stopped at the creek. Yes. Yes. We stopped at the creek. We found a spot where there was no people that's when we found out that's where the split was too yeah but we sat down started to eat our lunch and then before you know it people are trying to make their way 
passed us up this hill that wasn't marked to anything. And I think after a couple of people did this, we asked them, where are you going? And they said, seven falls. The waterfall, to the waterfall. Yeah. And people were coming down and saying, there's supposed to be seven waterfalls, but there's only trickles. So it depends on when you go to, I think there's more water at certain seasons than there is at others. And probably certain years, because we were there at a time of year where if there was decent rainfall in Southern California, there probably would be the amount of water falling that Mm -hmm. people are used Mm -hmm. to. But this was a particularly dry year, one of the driest in a a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was our number two hiking that we thoroughly enjoyed. And another thing that is great to do is number three, which is... So number three is the Santa Barbara Botanic Garden. And I just learned as we sat down to record this that, Julie, that you have not done this, but I have done this. Which surprises me because I love plant life and flowers. Yeah. I think there was a trip that you and I took to Santa Barbara once when we planned to go there. And for some reason, I seem to recall that it was closed. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this is just, I want to say north, just beyond the Santa Barbara mission. So if you're planning to go to the mission after your visit there, especially during the springtime, would be a phenomenal time to visit the Santa Barbara Botanic Gardens. So you've got 78 acres there of California native plants. There's five miles of easy walking trails that crisscross the gardens. And there's plants from all parts of the state. You've got plants from California redwood forests, all the way to cacti desert plants that you would find inland. And instead of driving around the entire state of California, which takes a long time to do because we've done it, you can spend an afternoon at this botanic garden and see the abundance of plant life that is scattered throughout the great state of California. Now you have to take me. Yeah. Well, I mean, we always end up at Santa Barbara probably almost every year anyways. The best way to enjoy the gardens is to walk its trails. And again, the time of year that you go is going to make a big difference. Springtime being, it's got to be the best. I'm even thinking about a similar type of place. So last October, we went to Descanso Gardens, Mm -hmm. which is somewhere near Pasadena. And in October, October, there was like nothing in bloom. It was green and brown and not much to see. I just saw somebody posted a YouTube today. They went to Descanso Gardens within this past week. And it was like a totally different place. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything was in bloom. And and that's the way that this place, I think, is going to be as well, too. So it's a great place to take a stroll among more than a thousand plants, trees and flowers where you can see the botanical diversity of California and also the Santa Barbara region. There is a cost to go to the gardens and at this time it's $16 for adults, but a beautiful place and uh, one that I would recommend to go to and I will take you there next time, Julie, that we're back up in Santa Barbara. Okay. The next place, number four, is the Presidio. The Presidio is in the middle of downtown Santa Barbara, and it is officially called El Presidio de Santa Barbara State Historic Park. And it is an area that's preserving the last of the four military posts that were built by the Spanish along the coast of Alta, California, which is what it was called when the Spanish were there. It was founded on April 21st, 1782. And at that point, the American Revolutionary War 
was raging across the continent. This was one of several Spanish presidios in California. The others were located in San Diego, San Francisco, and Monterey. And we've been to all of those places. Mm -hmm. But I don't recall that there are presidio sites or preserved sites in those other areas. There is in San Francisco. We've been by it. Uh Um, Actually, on our honeymoon, we went Uh by it. I don't recall what the status is in Monterey and San Diego. I'd be surprised if there's not something there. Something something we should check out, too. The Presidios protected the missions and all the settlers that were in that area from attacks. And they also were the seat of government in the area that guarded against foreign invasions. The Santa Barbara Presidio was both military and the government center for the entire region of Alta, which was quite, quite expansive and quite large. It had a distinction of being the last military outpost built by Spain in the New World, which is pretty cool. If you go there today, you can see what the local Chumash Indians erected. They put up these beautiful buildings of sun-dried adobe bricks, and timbers from the nearby forest supported the roofs that had this red clay tile, which I'm sure was handmade by the Chumash Mm -hmm. also. And then they finished the walls off with whitewash. So you look at that type of architecture today. I mean, you don't have the adobe, but they've really tried to preserve the red tile roofs and the whitewash on the buildings in Santa Barbara today, even today. There's two of the buildings that were original to the Presidio that have been restored. And there are other buildings there that have been reconstructed. And there's constant, constant excavations going on. They're constantly finding artifacts from that time in that area. And you can actually see some excavation because they'll rope it off. And you can actually see where they're excavating in these, these open areas. The first of the two original sections of the Presidio is El Cuartel. This is the family residence of the soldiers assigned to guard the western gate. This building is also the oldest remaining in Santa Barbara and the second oldest in California, which is only beaten by the chapel at San Juan Capistrano at the mission there. So it's quite old and it's amazing that it's restored and still there. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah, we were several visits into Santa Barbara before we stumbled upon this place and toured it. And we were actually visiting there with somebody who grew up in Santa Barbara, we happen to know, and he took us there one day and had no idea this place was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because it's, um, you mentioned it's in downtown Santa Barbara and most everybody seems like when they go to Santa Barbara, they make their way on State Street. Yeah. And if you're on State Street, there's going to be a cross street called Canon Perdido, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And if you just go east about a block, on that street, you run into the Presidio. Yeah, so you just it, you literally run into it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't take the side street, yeah. you're going to miss it. You're not going to know it's mm-hmm. there. But it, it's well worth taking that little detour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm hopeful that in the coming days and weeks, and for all I know, we could be there already, that it'll be open again for touring because mm-hmm. this would have been one of the places also during the COVID year, yeah. like so many museums in California, we're closed to the public, mm-hmm. and it's such a treasure. Absolute treasure. It actually is a California historic landmark 
that was established in 1958 and is listed on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places in 1973. So it's an interesting, long history of the Spanish who came over here way back in, who knows, I don't even know how long ago. And it's also part of the history of my family who arrived in Santa Barbara to make their home when they first came over here in about 1915, 1916. So that's, it it has a place in my heart for sure. Just about, I'm going to say like a one minute to two minute walk from the Presidio, you can find yourself at number five on our list today, which is the Santa Barbara Historical Museum. And this is a place that you and I had gone to a a few years ago, maybe, Mm -hmm. I don't know, three, four years ago, Mm -hmm. something like that. This museum, kind of like the Presidio, it's in downtown, but it's a couple of blocks off to the east of State Street. But it's useful to know that it's there so that when you're walking on State Street and looking for food and looking for libations and just soaking up that atmosphere there's these other things that are pretty neat to see Mm -hmm. this museum offers you a journey from the past to the present of santa barbara it's one of the city's oldest cultural institutions and celebrates the community's heritage and traditions inside you're going to find a collection of paintings artifacts furniture textiles decorative arts and costumes that represent more than 500 years of chumash Mexican, Spanish, and American history that took place in Santa Barbara. There's a signature exhibition there, and and you and I saw it. It's called The Story of Santa Barbara. It traces the evolution from the time of the native Chumash through the mid-20th century, and it touches on the film era of the 1920s, where that was something that was important in Santa Barbara. And then once you're done touring the inside of the museum, if you go behind in the courtyard, there's a couple of historic adobe buildings dating from the early 1800s that you could also take a look at. I would recommend check the website at the time of your visit to see what exhibits will be available during the time of your visit. And like many museums, it's open Tuesdays through Sundays. Mondays are dark. Holidays are also iffy. Admission is $7 for adults, so, you know, reasonable. And one tip is that on the first Thursday of every month, you can see the exhibits after hours, and that's the one day of the month that the museum stays open until 8 p.m. as part of downtown Santa Barbara's first Thursday events. And at that time, admission is free and open to all ages. So the first Thursday of every month is a prime time to visit that museum. I would really recommend it too. It was it was very very fascinating. Yeah. So I'm going to detour us for a second here. Okay. So I mentioned one of the things that's available to see at this museum are a couple of these historic adobes. On our last visit to Santa Barbara, we on one of the days we ended up starting to drive around. I had a, on my list of things to do had a list of some of the famous adobes around the city. So we mm, drove right. around a couple. There were some. California historic markers that we saw. Some of these buildings you can't go into, but many of them have the historic markers in front of them, so you could at least drive by, see them. But when we were on that, doing our drive around Santa Barbara, we also had some other building to check Mm. out, which was historic to nobody else but to you. 
And maybe you can share what that experience was all about. Well, so in my genealogy searching, and I had mentioned that my family um, had settled in Santa Barbara when they first came over here from Mexico. And was this like... In about 1917, my grandmother came over. And there was a home that they lived in that was... Olive Street, which is now called... You had found some research where you Yeah, you were they able changed to identify, the name of the street. Yeah, it used to be called one thing yeah. and now it's something else and you, you had that all figured out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I decided I'd like to just go by and look at it and see where my grandmother started her life here in the United States. And lo and behold, we found it and it was quite kept up. It looked like it had the original porch on it. So it was a little craftsman home and it was very small, very small. And it actually looked like it had some kind of addition on the back too Mm -hmm. that was added onto it, which is something that I'm sure wasn't there when my grandmother was living there. And I decided it was a business at this point. It was somebody's business. And I decided I was going to go knock on the door. Yeah, I think first we started by just, you know, looking at it from the outside. I yeah. think we took some photos. Took and photos. Then you, you mustered up the courage to, to knock on the <laughs> like, door. Why not? <laughs> why not? And somebody answered the door and he was an absolute delight. He was such a great gentleman and he was very open to us coming in. I, I asked, you know, do you mind? Can I... Can I come in and look at the home? And he was like, sure. Yeah, because you he shared asked this, his boss first. But, yeah, you shared yeah. the story that your family at one yeah. point, almost 100 years ago, lived in lived this there, house. Lived in the house. And so he let us in and it was all it was all redone. But he was saying that, you know, this part's original and the, the coffered ceiling was original and most of the walls were original. But I think there was some he said were probably knocked out. And so I'm walking in there and there was a room in the front and there was another room in the back and a kitchen and there was a bathroom but i honestly think the bathroom was part of the addition i don't think they had a bathroom i think they had an outhouse and this was a tiny teeny little home and as i'm doing my research i'm realizing that not only did my grandmother live there but so did my great-grandmother and so did all my great uncles and so did their wives. So there was at least, when I was trying to do a count, I think I got up to 12. There was at least 12 people living in that home. Tiny house Tiny for little people. home yeah. with 12 people in it. Yeah. So I thought, wow, that's pretty uh, tight. And eventually they all started moving and going in different directions. And a lot of them went towards the LA area. Most of them went towards the LA area. Yeah. And, um, but it was just, I don't even know how to explain it to know that my grandmother as a young lady, she was, she was like 16 years old, was in this home and worked in this home and probably made meals in that home and scrubbed the laundry and just, I just imagined what it was like to be there. Mm -hmm. And it was quite special. Yeah. And all the while that you were looking inside, I was tempted to get my camera going and start taking video. Yeah. And I think, you know, I had it on momentarily and it it felt uncomfortable because I also can imagine if you're the person who let us in and who are these strangers walking through this 
building and you know taking video taking photos so while we took some photos from the outside we took one the entryway that we just took one in that way yeah but most of what we saw inside is committed to our memories versus to video or Mm -hmm. film I don't know how many people would have the courage to bang on a door of a place where their ancestors lived at once upon a time you and I like about a year ago we did a podcast that recapped a trip you and I took to Los Angeles where we mm-hmm. spent one day doing the drive-by of homes that we knew your relatives once upon a time had lived at. We my did, pappy. Yeah. My pappy and my mother, yeah. And during that visit, we didn't knock on any doors. No, I mean... We just did the outside Yeah, tour. we just did yeah. the outside. It, 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 I think because this was a business, I think I felt a little more secure in knocking on the door. Yeah. So anyways, I digress. We have one more place that everybody can go to. So close us out with number six. Number six is the Santa Barbara Museum of Art. If you are not somebody that really enjoys walking around looking at pictures and paintings, I still think you might enjoy this museum. It is not too large. It's not huge. It's actually on State Street, and it was opened in 1941 in a building that was once the post office there. The museum is home to 27,000, sounds like a lot, pieces of permanent collection, and it spans all across the centuries and all across the globe. It has classical antiquities. It has modern installations. You can find the French, the British. You can find American art, contemporary European There's Asian, there's sculptures, there's photography. There's so much to see there. There's something in there that is going to catch your interest. It really will. It's it's really well done. It's beautiful. They also offer a calendar of some virtual events right now and some tours. They have classes via Zoom in this COVID era. If you're interested in um, looking to see, get that sneak preview of what's there and possibly spark you to want to actually go when the museum opens up. The museum is generally open on Wednesdays through Sundays. A little tip for your visit, check the website because there are exhibits that are changing. So you want to check the website to see what there is in the current exhibits and their opening days and times. At this point, I don't know if they're open. They might have limited capacity and be letting some people in. I'm not sure. So you'd have to check the website and see what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that rounds out things that we call off the beaten path in Santa Barbara, coupled with five that we spoke of last time. So you can spend several days Mm -hmm. in Santa Barbara doing these things we spoke about, and there's even more to do. We're just getting into the tail end of spring. Summer will be upon us pretty soon. Those are great times to visit Santa Barbara. I would also say any time of the year is a great time to visit Santa Barbara. It's in such a fantastic location. The weather is, it's like always conducive Mm -hmm. to a visit. So Mm -hmm. we find ourselves there throughout just about any month of the year. So hopefully you've heard about something new, maybe that you haven't done before. So next time you're planning a trip to Santa Barbara, add one of these things to your list. And uh, if you did hear about something that you're going to do, and if you go do it, we'd love to hear about your experience Mm -hmm. doing it. Before we close out, just a couple of mentions. 
One way that you can support us is if you go to our website, theplaceswherewego.com, click on the gear link where we list things that we use in our travels, uh, lots of resources, and if you find something there that suits you, it's an easy way to, to support us that doesn't cost you anything extra. Also on the website, there's a link to YouTube, and we've got a number of YouTubes that we've been posting over the past mm -hmm. couple of months. We think we just posted our fifth one regarding travels we've done in Death Valley. So the latest one that was posted was Dante's View or Hike There. Mm -hmm. Some really neat things to see that you might do in that national park. So between the podcast and the YouTubes, we're trying to find ways to share our travel adventures with you. And as we say, to always help you plan your future adventures. I hope this has been helpful for you. And thank you for joining us on The Places Where We Go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.